0: Today at Horse Chats, we welcome back Christoph Hess, who has been on quite a number of times, an absolute expert in the world, you know, world expert in dressage, but not just dressage. I think he's just a genuine horseman and has got a wide variety of knowledge in a lot of different areas, but we're going to talk to him today about flying changes. Now, before we start, I just want to remind you about the motto of International Horse College, and that's People Safety and Horse Welfare. If that's the way you feel when you're working with horses, have a look at the website, internationalhorsecollege.com, registered training organization, 31352. Now, Christoph, how are you?
1: Thank you very much indeed. I'm happy and I'm very much looking forward that we have our interview now. Um, I'm still in Germany and we now have spring. We changed the time. Uh, last night, or the night before last night. Uh, yeah, we hope that the COVID pandemic will be under control in Germany. It's just growing into the wrong direction, and we hoped after having problems here in the centre of Europe with the uh, herpes, herpes virus uh, coming from Spain in a big uh, international competition. Now this is, I think, here in centre of Europe, and the mainland, under control. But uh, we have still really huge problems with uh, the COVID-19 pandemic. And I hope that uh, competitions will start slowly more and more into our summer, uh, maybe May, June, I hope. So therefore, that's a situation looking from the horse's point of view or from the horse industry's point of view. Mm.
0: Now, Christoph, even though we've got the pandemic going on at the moment, you're still teaching all over the world. You're still, you know, you're teaching someone down the road here in Australia and they're going to competitions. And tell us a little bit more about that.
1: Yeah, I think this is a really amazing. Other. It's about one year ago. And I know exactly when I was sitting in a big international competition, a four-star CDI in Dortmund, which is in the centre of Germany, a very, very big indoor show. And on Sunday morning, it was March 15th, we had the very first lockdown and I was sitting at the judges' chair and then it stopped. So and then I had my diary full and my schedule full with a lot of clinics and seminars all over the world. And then it stopped from one minute to another because I couldn't travel and everything was locked down. And then I said, what can I do? And I'm, to be honest, I'm not an IT expert, but I said, okay, I now have to learn it. And then I started to learn it. And now I have a lot of students all over the world from, yeah, Brisbane. And now we have this chat, and in one hour I give in Brisbane a young rider lesson, then I go to Sydney to another lady who is competing on a level, also nearly PSG level. And then I have a lot of students in different countries in Europe, many, many countries in Europe, and then in the U.S. and in Canada. So Therefore, I'm sometimes starting at this time of the day. In Germany, it's now 8 o'clock a.m., and uh, I finish in German time around 10 p.m. in California and in uh, Vancouver. So It's, for me, a big challenge to give online lessons and uh, webinars online in German and in in English, and, uh, yeah, like this podcast. And I think uh, from this point of view, the world, the whole world is coming more and more together, but this is only... Uh, the second uh, good uh, thing, it would be much better to be physically uh, having clinics and seminars and so on. And I'm just helping the British and the New Zealand team in the direction of the Olympics. Uh, and the New Zealand are uh, the eventing team, they are all based in England, uh, the good ones, or the very best ones. Maybe one or two Olympic uh, uh, candidates are in New Zealand as well. But most of them are in, in England, like the... the the top uh, prizes, also Janelle and Tim Price, who are the very best in the team in England since ages, and I help the New Zealand, and mainly the English team, the British team. We have so many question marks. No one knows exactly whether we will have the Olympic Games, yes or not, and I think it's maybe 50% it will work, and 50% it will not work, and uh, yeah, therefore we have to cross our fingers here in Europe and in Down Under, where you are living in this beautiful part. And I, I am happy that you will have the Olympic Games um, in, in uh, 2032, nicht? is it not? In Brisbane, I think, 32, which is amazing. And it's an amazing place, and it's an absolutely amazing decision that the IOC had. Uh, yeah, uh, will, will give the Olympic Games to Brisbane, the region of Brisbane, to Queensland. Amazing! Congratulations, from my point of view.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. We've, we, we, um, we're here. You know, we went to Sydney for the Olympics. So, um, two thousand and thirty-two in Brisbane—it's just wonderful.
1: Yeah, it's wonderful. I think it's it's very, very good for the region. It's very good for the sport. And I think important is that we have countries who love the sport. I was in in Athens, one of the judges, and um, you had always a feeling. It was there because of historic reasons, but population didn't, it's it's not a sport population. They didn't love it very much. And I know uh, in Australia, when we had the the Olympic Games 2000 in Sydney, I wasn't there, but I saw it on TV a lot. And I saw how motivated all the people have been because uh, Australia, they love the sport. They love Olympic Games, so therefore it's a spirit for the whole country, it's a spirit for for your region and for your state, and therefore I'm really happy that you have the chance to organise uh, the Olympic Games, which is great and it's a marvellous decision.
0: Now, Christoph, we're talking about flying changes. I want to keep talking to you about the Olympics and what we've got planned and everything, but let's talk about flying changes because if people are planning on being at the Olympics, you know, just to understand what a flying change is. Because as far as riders are concerned, you know, when you first start riding, a flying change is like this magical thing that is off in fairyland that you may be so far off. But, you know, really a flying change is just something that a horse does naturally, isn't it?
1: That's true. Can I just start with a short sentence before? Uh, the when you start, because you just said it, that's nearly magic when you start, to ride uh, the flying change, is, is after the horizon to ride a proper flying change, not just sitting on a horse and uh, do it naturally, but to train a flying change looking from the dressage judges and uh, trainers and coaches point. That's really when you start to ride, it's behind the horizon. And I would say when you look just from the dressage rider's point of view, the first thing is you have to learn to sit properly, relaxed, and balance in the saddle. That's a big challenge for you as a rider. The next thing is what you have to do there. That's the first big fence as a Dressager to have to jump. No, the next big fence is to ride a horse properly in a good contact, without help in a good contact, so that you have a steady contact, that you are, get the feeling to ride the horse from behind over the back into the mouse. That's a big challenge to do it in a good way. That's the second big fence to jump. And the third big fence is, to be honest, learning how to ride flying changes, to learn to get the right timing to do it and to do it in a proper way. And the last very big step is to ride horses in Piaf and Passage, to train Piaf and Passage. So these are, from my point of view, the highest fences you have jumped when you want to become a good rider. And now to the flying changes. And what is a flying change? A flying change is changing the canter from left to right or from right to left in the moment of suspension. We have to realize that a horse in canter has always a moment of suspension, and the flying change is part of the natural movement. Horses uh, have it by nature. Each horse is able to do a flying change outside in the fields. Sometimes a true flying change, sometimes into faces, sometimes into disunited or cross canter. They do it, but they are able to do it. It's not magic for a horse. But it is a true challenge for the rider to practice a flying change. And it's a challenge for a rider to practice a flying change with a trained horse or with a well-trained horse. But it's a huge challenge challenge uh, sometimes so huge that the riders are unable to train a horse and when you train a horse a flying change that's a huge challenge for the rider and some riders have a lovely feeling to do it some riders don't have this sensitivity therefore if i can explain uh, then i would explain what you have to do to ride a flying change because that's that's uh, the point because you have to get a feeling when you canter your horse for the movement. You have to have the feeling uh, what is the moment of suspension. When starts the moment of suspension? Because in this moment the rider have to give the aids for the flying change, or just a moment uh, before, and then the horse has a chance during the uh, moment of suspension changing uh, the legs. And this is which uh, yeah. Many riders are able to ride in a lovely way, but most of the riders all over the world are nearly unable to ride flying changes, and therefore I love it to give some explanations later on in this uh, podcast how to train, how to ride flying changes, and which kind of mistakes we have and how we can uh, fix these kind of mistakes.
0: Okay, okay. So say the riders riding flying changes, but on a schoolmaster, on a horse who's already been there, done that, and they've got another horse that they're bringing on, what sort of pre-training, prerequisite should the horse have? What sort of canter? Just tell us a little bit, because you've talked about what the rider should have, but say we've got a rider who's experienced already riding changes, what should the horse be doing before a change is even asked for?
1: Yeah, thank you for the question. I think... Um a, a rider has to realize that that his horse, yeah has to a canter, a, a canter, which um is a canter with a good and a long moment of suspension. And it's a canter um which is, from the rider's point of view, easy to control, which means that the rider is able to ride big canter strides and small canter strides. and now, uh, the second part of my next sentence is important and is able to maintain a clear three-beat rhythm. That's very important, that the horse has a clear three-beat rhythm with a long moment of suspension, and the horse has to be able to do big and small canter strides, not fast and slow, but big and small. So this is Very important that the horse is able to do this. And then back to the feeling of the rider. The rider has to have the feeling that the horse is really active from behind. Sometimes I try to explain my students that the rider has to have the feeling that the hind legs are more active than the front legs. This should be the feeling of the rider in the saddle. And when he has this feeling, then he is able to ride his horse in a good collection and is able to lengthen the strides into the direction of medium and into the direction of extended canter. And when the horse is, and this is very important, in this situation, absolutely straight. Straightness is a very important part of the beginning of riding flying changes, straightness. In combination, and then another important part of my sentence which I want to underline is that the horse is able to be in canter with good flexion. You need flexion, and in the handbook of the FEI, of the World Equestrian Association, it's written down that in canter, left-hand and right-hand horse has to be always ridden with flexion and to be able to flex your horse in the proper way in canter is part in a positive way of a good control of the horse especially in the canter and this is a feeling and this is a goal uh, which you should have before you start with flying changes and then you have to be able looking from the rider's point of view able to ride very smooth transitions between medium and collected canter and between walk and canter, canter and walk, to ride simple changes of legs, very smooth transitions into the walk, and then immediately with a 10.0 sensitivity to the driving aids from walk into canter again, And I underline again on a straight line. And if this works, and at the end of the day works, if the distance in the simple change of leg, when you are asking for the walk, you are able, in the beginning, maybe with five steps in walk, and later on, maybe three, and then two, and maybe at the end, only one step. And if you're able to reduce uh, the distance in walk with less steps, and still straight and still in front of the driving aids, and then you're able to start again the canter. When you have this feeling, then you are ready to ask for a flying change. And then maybe in the after the next question, I can explain how, in which situations you should ask for the flying change. But I think many riders, or maybe most of the riders who have problems with flying changes, they have the problems because the preparation is not into the direction of 10.0, maybe it's 4.5, the preparation. And with the bad preparation, no chance uh, for a proper flying change from behind, through the body, in front of uh, the driving aids of the rider.
0: Stop. I need to interrupt this chat for a hot-off-the-press notification. That is that the latest version of the book, 101 Careers in the Horse Industry, is now available and the best news is that it's a free download. So if you work in the horse industry, if you have a plan to work in the horse industry and have a career in the horse industry, or if you know someone who plans to have a career in this fabulous industry, then this is an essential book for you to read now and then keep as a reference as you progress through your career. With over 100 jobs to choose from, you'll probably find at least one that you'd happily do without being paid. So simply go to internationalhorsecollege.com, scroll down to the bottom of the page and click on the 101 careers in the horse industry button to receive your free career book. Imagine, maybe one day you could be a guest on Horse Chats. I think that whole explanation, Christoph, is one that People should listen to not just once, but again and again and again. And I think any instructors or coaches that are being asked by their students about flying changes and the horses aren't ready, the coaches or the instructors need to say to their student, go back and listen to that answer that Christoph gave. Don't just listen once, listen to it again and again and again until you really get that your horse is not quite ready for a flying change yet. Let's get the preparation right before, yeah, I I think that that whole explanation, Christoph, I think if we just say goodbye now, which we're not going to do, I think that in itself is just absolutely brilliant what you said. So thank you. Thank you for that question. I almost feel like, oh, well, I want to go on to the next question now, but that one was was great. Okay. So I think you said something before about a horse, if the horse is late behind. I mean, obviously they haven't had the preparation. So I'm going to ask you about a couple of different things and obviously, we're going to go back to the preparation, but anything in particular for a horse who's late behind?
1: Yeah. Uh, first of all, thank you very much indeed uh, that you had underlined my idea, but it's not spe- especially my idea. I'm sure that all trainers who are thinking in our direction would do it with flying changes especially, but with other exercises and movements which we know as well and which we both had discussed in podcasts podcast earlier uh, this year and last year. And um, it's always back, at least half a step back, better one step or three steps or five steps back. You only have the chance to come to a higher level when you have the foundation, the basics in, into the direction of 10.0. Otherwise, no chance. So, and back to this difficult problem. And for many horses and many riders, this is a a true problem because horses, when they had learned flying changes in a wrong way and in the wrong way is often that they jump into faces, they are late behind and um, or like, that's more or less uh, the same um, problem, the same challenge and uh, this we have quite often all over the world and uh, when a horse had this automatic in his or her head, then it's really difficult to correct. So therefore, the longer, the more often they are doing the flying changes into faces, the more difficult it is to change it and into the right direction, and the bigger is the challenge. So therefore, when you start with flying changes, it is from my point of view, very, very important to have someone at the ground with a good eye, and who who knows exactly how uh, the movement has to look and uh, like, and, um, and therefore has to give advice immediately if something is wrong or if it's okay, then he has to say, well done. Especially when you have younger riders, uh, which have not or who have not so much experience, then it's very very important. Otherwise, it's only important to have someone at the ground to help the rider yeah, training horses with flying changes. Because sometimes the rider in the saddle is not able to feel it when the horse is laid behind. Some horses are doing a flying change in such a nice way, but still a little bit slow behind, or um, late behind, or into phases, and the rider is unable to, to feel it especially when the horses have not a very long moment of suspension. When they have a short moment of suspension, then it's really difficult to feel that the hind legs are late. What can you do? More or less, uh, what I had given as an answer, to the question before. I said, as a rider, you have to have the feeling that the hind legs are more engaged as the front legs during the canter you have to make the horse quicker in the canter so that you have the feeling okay my hind legs are very very active this is a feeling you need probably you can use in a very nice in a very positive way very sensitive the whip a little bit at the hind leg in the moment when the inside hind leg is just coming up from the ground. This needs a little bit of experience. And uh, when you do this, this may be help that the hind leg is a little bit more active than without this, with with this help. This helps sometimes. To be honest, all different exercises are not helping for all horses. But this can help uh, sometimes. Otherwise, I suggests that you should write many, many transitions, hundreds of transitions between big and small canter strides, big and small canter strides. On the curved line, big circles with a good bending and especially flexion. And on a straight line, still what I did say was flexion, a little bit with shoulder in tendency so that when you lengthen the strides that you have the feeling OK, my horse is in front of me, is uphill, and especially it is straight. This is important, and this you have to do, and this I want to underline very much on both hands. You have to do it on both hands in a nice way, and at the end of the day, you have to have the feeling that my horse, or the learning horse, is good in canter on both hands, and not just good, uh, good in canter right or in canter left, No, important is that you have a really nice feeling on the right hand and on the left hand side. That is the best way to ask for flying changes when they are late behind. Yeah, what can you do uh, during uh, or on the way to the flying change? I think when you, for instance, ask for the flying change on the diagonal and um, ask, at the end of the diagonal for a flying change with a horse which is sometimes laid behind, then it's good when you ride on the diagonal, when you come, as an example, from the right hand, when you ride two or three times longer and shorter strides, longer and shorter strides, then true collection, and then before you ride the flying change, you flex your horse to the left side, and then after this moment of a high level of collection, then start a little bit more with a longer canter stride, and in this moment give the aids uh, for the flying change from right to left. This is sometimes helpful, and if uh, the rider is an experienced one, sometimes it helps when in the moment of the flying change, the rider is coming very carefully, very precise with the whip, which is about one meter 20 long in the moment with the whip at the hind legs. This helps sometimes. Not always, but this is one advice. Another advice is that you are asking for half passes and try to maintain in a very precise way the three beat rhythm in the half pass. And when we do it in a similar way, are the half pass right in Kenta? maybe from center line to the track. Um, and then very important is that you have enough room after the half pass and uh, quite a long distance that you are not immediately in the corner so that on the straight line, you first flex the horse to the left side and then the rider has to give the eights to do the flying change. And very important is that in the moment he is giving the aids that he is using the new inside leg, which is the left one, um, that the, the inside leg is coming into the right position, that's important, with enough energy so that the horse knows that the horse has to jump the flying change from behind. And this is important, This the, the jump from behind, this is a feeling the rider needs, and therefore he needs a very in a positive way, strong and effective new inside leg so that the horse knows that the horse has to jump really from the back to the front in one phase with enough energy. Otherwise, it will not work.
0: We've talked about the prerequisites and the way the horse should be before we even ask for the change, but you're also giving us the the exercises on what we can do to correct you know, problem. Yeah. Now, I want to talk to you about early behind, what we can do there, but... Should we talk about close behind as well?
1: Um, what do you mean with close behind? Close
0: behind. I suppose um, it'll come up sometimes on dressage tests, and I imagine that instead of it being a very clear, this is a change, it's not quite late behind, but it's just a bit close, not quite through, not from going yeah. from one good quality yeah. canter to another.
1: Oh, yeah, Okay, I didn't know the, the word close behind, Um yeah, yeah, maybe it would be be more through. And um, I, I think um, very important is that um, that a rider gets a feeling how the canter works. And therefore, I think when a rider wants to start to, to teach his horse, her horse flying changes, he needs uh, to look into the rule book. And I think in the rule book he will see uh, the movement canter. And we have to realize the canter is, uh, is a three-beat rhythm with six faces. And I think a rider has to see which are the six faces. And when he will, will realize that the horse, after the moment of suspension, will come with one leg and it's, it's the, the, the outside hind leg on the ground first. Uh, this is face number one. This is what uh, riders often don't realize that it, it is the outside hind leg. Therefore, the outside hind leg is very, very important for the canter work and the gymnastic process in canter, and especially for the flying changes. This is one part I want to, to say um, uh, to answer to this question. And the second part is that the rider has to ride a lot, but I think it's good when he often watches horses and canter. And the rider has to realize that when he is watching the canter, that he has a feeling that the canter starts from behind, that the canter is an exercise with a lot of energy from behind. Though this is, from my point of view, very, very important, that he, yeah, what I did say to your first question, that he has a, the feeling that the hind legs are more, has more energy than the front legs though. And this is exactly the feeling which you need in the flying changes as well, that the flying change starts from behind. And uh, many flying changes, they are more or less clean, but the movement doesn't start from behind. And this is very important that a young horse or a learning horse will learn the flying change to jump from behind. And not a little bit, yeah, starting with the front and then the hind legs are coming. Uh, Many horses are doing it in this in a nearly perfect way, but this is not the way flying changes are good. And when the horse jumps with the front leg and then a little bit later, still in one phase with the hind legs, then you have no proper prospect for the future to come into the direction of PSG, I1, I2, and GP, and GP Special. So therefore, this is for me very important. And uh, this is a rider has to realize. Often the riders think, okay, my horse is doing a flying change. It is not, as we say, or I say, not enough really started from behind, not really through, but still okay. And the judges would give maybe... Probably a six or a five point so five, though it's 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 a uh, uh, sufficient uh, uh, mark, but it is not a flying change with a prospect for the future. Therefore, you have to correct it in the way that the movement starts from behind. This is my answer. I hope I did understand the question in the right way.
0: Yes, I think so. I think that's that's well explained. Yeah, yeah, but that was the. Close behind. I don't think we've covered the early behind. Close behind,
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: early behind. Yeah. You know, they come, they'll, they'll change behind. Yeah. Then the next stride, they'll change in front.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is another This is another negative uh, way to do a flying change. But this is, I sometimes say, that's a positive mistake. Uh, and this is what we see quite often. Or no, Not uh, often is too much, but from time to time. I see it from time to time in the learning process that horses are late in the front. This is, at the end, often easier to correct than late behind. Um, Often, this is my experience, it is a problem that the horses are not enough in front of the the driving aids of the rider in canter. My advice is, um, I wouldn't say 100% it will work, but it works quite often, that you ride a lot of uh, medium and extended canter, diagonals, long sides, and medium canter on a curved line, on a, on a circle line, on a big circle. This is good to bring the horse uh, um, from the rider's point of view 100% into the situation being in front of the rider's aids. This is for me very important. Uh, often the horses are not exactly in canter, and I'm sure in, in walk and trot as well, not exactly sensitive in front of the rider's aids. This is, for me, important, um, that the horse is really in front of the rider's aids. And when you do this, often quite easy to correct when the horses are late in the front.
0: Really good. You know, different exercises for different problems. It just... Yes, yes,
1: yes. Uh, There is not one exercise which works for all horses with all different problems or challenges. It's not a problem, it's a challenge. And this makes important uh, th- therefore it's important uh, to have a trainer uh, who help a coach who gives advice and and yeah, a little bit you have to learn a bit uh, with trial and error. sometimes this works, sometimes this works. sometimes from left to right, this works, from right to left, this works. So therefore you have to be flexible, but you have to do it quite often to get the feeling, does it work or doesn't it work? And for me, very important is that you always ask from the rider's point of view, what can I do better? M- most of the, uh, uh, of the situations which we have um, uh, is, the, is a challenge for the rider because many riders, they don't sit properly. Uh, their aids are not clear for the horse. Uh, therefore, it's often uh, a, a, a challenge, a problem of communication between the rider and his or her horse. And, and this, this is the biggest challenge. Therefore, I said uh, in the beginning uh, of our podcast that the, the training flying changes is one of the biggest challenges for each rider. And the, the why uh, question uh, comes now, and the answer is because of the timing you the rider needs a very special feeling for the timing when he has to give he or she has to give the aids. very precise with the legs in the right position with the seat bones in the right way and this has to be exactly in in a, in a part of a second and if you do it in this part of a second it works. if you do it a tiny bit too early or too late, it doesn't work. And, and that's, this is, uh, makes uh, yeah, life <laughs> difficult, uh, uh, training flying changes. Again, that the challenge is to get a feeling for this timing. And therefore, I think, uh, when I just can add this, um, to get a feeling for the timing uh, uh, is the best way to to canter your horse and maybe in a long situation, and close your eyes, that the rider closes his or her eyes uh, to, to get the, the right feeling for the canter. The feeling for the canter, for each canter stride, is the best way to learn um, how the timing is or what is the right moment to give flying changes. So that's that's important. You can't get the feeling... For the timing during the flying change, you have to get the feeling for each canter stride and the more familiar familiar you as a rider you are uh, with each canter stride, the better you get the, the sensitivity or the easier you get the sensitivity uh, for the right timing um, to ask for flying changes.
0: Yeah, I think it was really good that we talked about the, what the rider needs to do as well. And so important, so important. What about we've got a horse now who was going well then started to rush the changes? what's brought that on or what can we do there?
1: Mm-hmm. first of all I looked back to the rider um uh, this is often a problem that the rider uh, is too much using the reins so that the horse get tense tension before the before the flying change and often it's a mental problem of the rider uh, because uh, many riders think oh i'm not good with flying changes and i'm not sure and i don't know my timing good and i don't know how i uh, how i have to give the aids and, and 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 therefore the riders are afraid and horses are very very sensitive animals especially when they have a, a high level of sensitivity the more uh, level of the the better their sensitivity is uh, the more sensitive they are when the rider is afraid. And um, when the rider is afraid, then they, they, they are tense. And uh, in this situation, yeah, they rush away and they do other stupid things. And the rider then uses the reins in a, in a maybe not very nice way. And then at the end of the day, the horse is afraid, uh, not because of the flying change. No, the horse is af- uh, it's afraid, because of the rider's reaction. So therefore, I think my feeling is that very often when we have this uh, problem, which you had asked for, or you had uh, described just when you had asked the question, is um, uh, not a horse problem mainly, it's a rider's problem, and uh, the horse is afraid of the rider's reaction. And therefore, uh, the horse is tense and is rushing away and so on. What can we do? Uh, first of all, uh, the rider has to be really quiet, and when he goes to the flying change, or before he starts the flying change, he should canter his horse or her horse, horse uh, in um, uh, on, on straight lines, on curved lines, and should canter the horse and give and retake the reins quite often, so that he or she has a feeling, okay, my horse, is independent from the bit. Is doing a good job. I have the horse in front of me. I am, yeah, uh, the boss in the saddle, but not with my using the reins, but using my body in the right way. And I have the horse really and truly in front of uh, my driving edge. That's the goal you need, or that's that's uh, that's the level you should have before you start um, with the flying changes in this situation again. And uh, then you should do this at different places. When you do it always at the same place, then the horse is at the end of the day afraid and knows, okay, always at K or at F or at M or at H, I have to do the flying change. And whenever the rider comes into this direction, the horse is confused, is tense, and is disobedient and therefore you should do this maybe at different places in a nice way. Maybe the rider should change um, his position between a uh, half-point uh, seat or light seat and proper dressage seat so that the rider knows I need a whole level of um, yeah relaxation, a good level of relaxation during my whole training session. And when I have this good level of relaxation, then the horse should be ready for a new start with flying changes.
0: So say we've got our horse now. Any challenges that may have happened, we've got the rider has got the feeling for the movement, the horse is going well, doing some very nice changes. What do we need to get ready for if we would like to start some sequence changes? Is there a difference? Do we ask differently? Do we have different preparation Can you tell us a little bit about the sequence changes and how they're introduced?
1: Okay, first of all, um, uh, these kind of um, uh, flying changes, sequence flying changes on a diagonal work quite easily when the horse is absolutely well trained with flying changes in both directions. That's very important. On a straight line, in front of the rider's aids, uphill, not running away, no tension in one phase and uh, straight in front of the rider's aids when you have this feeling then you start on the diagonal or at the long side sometimes it's a little bit like, uh, easier it's a long side at the track or at the second track then you ask and my advice is not to think okay now i want to ask for a flying jet every fourth rhythm or third rhythm uh, first, uh, fourth stride or third stride or something like this no I think the rider has to think, I have to ride a flying change. And then canter, 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 canter stride, canter stride, canter stride. And when I have a good feeling, the next flying change. And then canter, 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 next flying change. That's what I school in this direction, that the rider gets a feeling how to ride between each flying change. And that's the challenge to ride in a proper way between the flying changes. And when the rider has a lovely feeling to ride, maybe uh, after the flying change, five, six, seven, eight strides, then the next flying change. And then again, seven, six strides, then the next flying change. When you have this under control, then you can reduce the canter strides in between. And then in this direction you come to um, flying changes every fourth stride, which is quite challenging. Every fourth stride to ride it, and um, I, I think judges will say, "Okay, there are sometimes more problems as with flying change every third stride." So therefore, you have to school it very seriously. Flying change every fourth stride, proper flying change, uh, canter strides in between. Then, then the next um, flying change and. When you have this under control, then it's, at the end of the day, nearly, I think, easier to ride flying changes every third stride. And when you have this under control and the horse is really sensitive to the rider's aids, then it's not so difficult to ride flying changes every second stride. Important is that each flying change and each canter stride has to be done in a good way, with quite a long moment of suspension, straight and especially well relaxed, with a good uphill balance in front of the rider's aids. That's for me very, very important, and that the rider is sitting as quiet as possible, otherwise the horse comes out of his or her mental and physical balance.
0: Now, is there anything different? You know, I know that you started off and just did the two down the long side, and then you know kept thinking about the quality to go, you know, to the four, to the to the every third stride, to every second. Going to one time changes. Is there anything extra that we need to know, or we just need to get the two times well established? What should happen there?
1: Yeah, yeah. Also, one one flying changes at every uh, at um yeah at every stride. Uh, this is a new that's a new league. Uh, because that's not, to be honest, a natural movement of the horse. And you need, in a positive way, it really in a positive way, a little bit of stress, positive stress in the horse. The horse has to be a little bit quicker. And um, many horses are doing nice flying changes every second stride, but they get problems to do it at every stride. And uh, to school this, it's very important, first of all, to have what I underline always that you have a, a, a true st- uh, straightness, and then that the rider has a feeling the horse is really active under me, and is uh, accepting my driving aids in a very very sensitive way immediately. So that's important. There is no time for a little bit be late to the activity of the riders driving aids. If there is not a 10.0 sensitivity, then it will not work. So, And then I think the best exercise to start with is just uh, one and one. Ask for a flying change at one moment. uh, Do it just one and one. And then stop. And then canter again. And then one and one. Canter again. One and one. Canter again. And for this exercise, you need quite a while, and you should do it on both hands. Starting maybe, most of the horses love it more, coming from the left hand side is my experience, but uh, horses are different. But uh, I know a lot of horses, and we trained it coming from the left hand, and when you have a little bit established, then do it on the right hand side. One and one, one and one, and many strides, normal canter strides in between, one and one one and one and the better one and one works the more easy it is to come to the third flying change at every stride and um, this needs time many horses need quite a while to get a feeling for this special exercise especially the horses who are a little bit slow thinking in the head and the horses who are very uh, much motivated Often these kind of horses are a little bit tense in all gates. These horses have sometimes problems to do each flying change in a nice way. They are sometimes a little bit hot, a little bit tense, or sometimes extremely tense. So therefore, these horses, you have to relax very much. And the horses who are a little bit slow thinking, not so engaged, these horses have to be a little bit more sensitive to learn these kind of flying changes. To be honest, not all horses who are doing flying changes will learn flying changes at every stride. And I have to say, and I want to be honest, not all riders are able to ask and to school horses in flying changes at every stride. But if the rider is sensitive and if the horse is sensitive and well-trained till uh, 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 flying changes at every second stride, Then in very, very many situations, the horse and rider combination will be successful in learning flying changes at every stride.
0: Okay. Look, I think you've given us so much information, you know, just starting off with the prerequisites going through and the changes and any challenges. But just one more question before you go, Christoph. As a judge, is there anything, and I know you've given us so much information, you know, going back through training and doing this, is there anything in particular that you're looking for as a judge that will increase the mark of the flying change? Apart from everything else you've said, you, because you've told given us so much information anyway.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, two things. Although it's always important where the judge is sitting, and I know what I uh, judge, I had the chance to judge biggest classes in pure dressage and in eventing dressage. And um, in eventing dressage, I was years ago, uh, responsible for um, uh, the the test together with uh, a yeah, former German and now British coach uh, of the eventing team, Chris Bartle, who is, is or was quite often in Australia as well. And he was a former Olympic eventing, uh, he's rider himself, and uh, was badminton winner. And um, yeah, for judges, sometimes it is not so easy to see is a flying change through from behind or not? Especially when the the judge is only seeing the horse from the front or from the back during the flying change. So that's very important for the judge. It's the best situation is to see um, uh, the flying change in the silhouette. Then the judge is able to see it's a it's a flying change through, it's a flying change uphill, it's a flying change. Uh, done with a good impression or expression, um, with a good moment of suspension, and when this is a feeling, and there is a smooth um, uh, harmony between the rider and the horse, then the rider, the judge can give a true high mark. Sometimes I think the the judges are not very friendly. I know a lot of horses who do brilliant flying changes. Sometimes the judges only give a seven point five. And I would give an eight point five at least because I love flying changes when they jump truly in the air. I would. I just wanted to say, but this is good to see when you see the silhouette. It's more a challenge to to uh, give good marks and really high marks uh, when the horse, when your horse, only sees the hind legs, uh, the, the the horse from the back or from the front. If that's that sometimes. And sometimes we have the problem uh, that maybe a a horse which is absolutely straight and is doing a flying change in two phases, which was sometimes a problem in eventing classes in two phases. But when the horse is absolutely straight, then it's nearly impossible for the judge who is only seeing the horse from the back or from the front uh, that the horse was laid behind or in two phases, something like this. And then these judges will give high scores but it's the wrong the, the wrong um, uh, mark uh, but this is uh, because of the the position of the judge so therefore uh, i think we as spectators have to be uh, careful when we say oh the judge has no knowledge this is sometimes a problem when you see the flying change not in the silhouette then you can give a, a the wrong mark
0: okay okay look christoph i know that you're um your time is short. I know you're about to do an online lesson for um, someone down the road. But before you go, just like to remind everyone that if you'd like to get Christoph's contact details, especially if you're interested in the online lessons that he does, horsechats.com, search for Christoph, search for Hess. Otherwise, Christoph, what's the best way to catch you?
1: Yeah, also I, um, when you like, you can uh, yeah, send me a, a text. Um, uh, or a chat, I can give my phone number and um, I'm, I'm available um, via WhatsApp or I, I have a, um, a homepage or a messenger via Facebook, but my, my phone number is, maybe this is the easiest way, plus 49 for Germany, then 170, and then 8519323, or my email address is ch at Christoph, with a ph at the end, uh, dash H-E-S-S dot info. That's the email address.
0: Perfect. All right, Christoph, thank you so much. We look forward to catching up with you again in one of your very informative chats. Thank you very much. Thanks for your time. Bye-bye. Yeah,
1: Glennis, thank you very much.